Hi, my name is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand insights, strategies and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in last week's podcast episode, I talked about uh, what opportunities and risks the market might bring us uh, during or throughout uh, 2022 this year. Um, and I use those expectations to help me set some realistic goals. Uh, and I discussed why that was the case last week. So if you missed that episode, please check it out. Now, I guess it's stating the obvious that goal setting is important. Um, you know, as the saying goes, if you aim at nothing, it's probably exactly what you'll achieve. Uh, that is nothing. Um, but setting goals uh, allows you to take control of the things that you can control. There's lots of things in life that occur or happen around us. Uh, and of course, we can't control those things, so we shouldn't worry about them. Um, but there are a number of things that we can control, uh, you know, how and where we invest, um, how and how we spend our cash flow, uh, these sorts of things. Um, and if we don't set goals, essentially what you'll end up being is just a passenger on the bus um, rather than driving the bus. And I'd much rather be the driver rather than the passenger. Now, I should say, in regards to goal setting, there's, there's really no right or wrong way. So uh, my hope with uh, doing this podcast or this podcast episode uh, is that I share what we do and, and it gives you some ideas. So it won't necessarily be true that following uh, uh, my approach or my, my wife and I's approach uh, verbatim will be the correct uh, approach for you. What you need to do is find what works for you. Um, and it's really just about refining it over a period of time uh, and making sure it works. Uh, so there's five steps to this uh, approach or what we use. Mostly, you know, it's mostly relevant, I think, to setting financial goals, although um, it still impacts, uh, you know, other types of goals. Uh, but before I get there, let me share a couple of tips, uh, goal-setting tips, that I've learned over the last 20 years of... Uh, probably over the last 20 years, almost always uh, setting goals. I'm, I'm sure there might have been a couple of years that I missed doing that, but uh, uh, but I'm, I'm typically set goals each year. So um, the first one is uh, make sure you're as specific as you possibly can um, and make it realistic and make it measurable. Um, so let me give you an example. An example of get fit or lose weight uh, is pretty useless because it's too vague. Um, and uh, it's useless because it doesn't really inform your subconscious about what your focus is or, or where your focus should be. It's just too wide. Uh, whereas you need to be try and be specific, measurable, and be careful about the words or how you frame uh, what your goal looks like. Because our because we, you know we, we do. I don't want to get too sort of deep, but uh, there is a subconscious element to achieving goals. Uh, and so we want to be careful about how we train our brain uh, to focus on things that we want to focus on. Uh, so really, when you write down your goals, it's okay to just write them out and draft, but then go and have a look at how you've framed your goals in terms of words and, and make sure it's specific, really, uh, realistic and measurable. The second one is, and this is probably my biggest uh, lesson with goal setting, is don't be afraid to set a low bar. You know, which is kind of counterintuitive because we think goal setting is all about achieving more. Um, and so we think we should be stretching ourselves and we should if it's appropriate, of course, but uh, it's not absolutely necessary. And in fact, if this is the first time this goal has appeared on your list, you know, the first time that this topic has appeared on your list, 
or you've failed to achieve this goal in the past, then it's even more important to set a lower bar. You know, remember some progress uh, at the end of the year is going to be better than nothing at all. And the problem with um, setting unrealistic goals is they can be incredibly demotivating. You know, if you sit down and go, you might be super motivated at the start of the year because health goals are a really good um, example to use. So I'll use them probably throughout the podcast a couple of times. But um, uh, if, if you're super motivated at the beginning of the year, you might sit down and go, all right, I'm going to exercise six days a week. You know, just have one rest day per week. Um, but the problem is it's un- probably unrealistic for most people, particularly if you haven't been exercising four or five days religiously the year before. Um, maybe then six days is a realistic goal. But if you're going from nothing or very little to six days a week, you forget about it. You're never going to do it. And the goal is going to be so seem so far away and so hard and so unachievable uh, that as soon as you miss a few weeks, you're completely de- demotivated um, and, uh, and, and you forget about the goal. Uh, so in reality, um, sorry, the reality is that if you exercise, say, three days a week, uh, for, for maybe 42 out of 52 weeks a year, so most of the time, it probably goes a very long way to achieving your health goal anyway. You don't need to exercise six days a week, perhaps. So um, as I said, unrealistic goals are really demotivating. Uh, you can always uh, extend the goal uh, during the year if you feel like you've set a too low a bar. Um, but really, when when you're goal setting, um, set a goal that, that um, you you look at and you think, oh, that's quite easy to achieve because that's actually quite much. Specific and, and set a low bar. Uh, my uh, health goals for this year read like, uh, there's three things I need to do. There's firstly, exercise 40 minutes three times a week. Like that's not, that's not a big deal. Uh, and I track this on an app called Easy Habits, but um, uh, just just to track my compliance. Although the Apple Watch picks up the the training as well, um, uh, I've got a now I've got a general rule: don't eat after eight thirty p.m. Sometimes sitting in front of the TV, you start to snack, and uh, you know I've I've eliminated that. And one day a week, I can eat whatever I want. Uh, the other days a week, I'm mindful about what I eat. Uh, so sort of one cheat day, one cheat day, if you like. Those um, got three goals there. I think are, are really realistic. They're measurable. Um, they're specific. Uh, and when I look at them, I think, yeah, I, I can do that. Ninety percent of the weeks uh, throughout 2022, I can achieve that. Uh, you know, remember when it comes to goals or achieving goals, consistency is way more important than effort. So I'll say that again, consistency is way more important than effort. You know, just a 1% improvement or effort every day for the year will result in a 37 times improvement. You know, that, that incremental improvement each day, that's all, it's, all it requires, but it's the consistency, not the effort, that, that is the most important thing. Okay, so uh, with, that, with that preamble, let me jump into the five-step process that um, I, uh, my wife and I go through uh, every year, uh, particularly, uh, you know, I'm sharing this particularly in relation to financial goals, um, because this is a financial podcast, of course, uh, but you know, uh, it includes other goals as well. So the first thing I like to do is review last year's goals. Um, and the, obviously, you know, it's good to reflect on, um, achievement, 
and sort of pat yourself on the back. You know, if you've achieved 90% of your goals that you set last year, I think that's a really good outcome. Um, there's probably, you know, I can't remember a year that I've achieved 100%. So that's an unrealistic expectation. But if you can achieve most of them, you're doing pretty well, I reckon. Uh, and uh, then also to focus on or have a look at what, which goals didn't you achieve. Um, and uh, you, you need to understand why. So firstly, it could be just circumstantial, you know, that you that circumstances didn't allow you, maybe because of COVID lockdowns or whatever. You know, if one of your goals was to travel overseas last year, for example, well, of course, you didn't achieve it. Um, in which case then, that's fine. Maybe roll the goal over or keep the goal on this year's list. Um, if it's another reason, maybe like accountability, you know, you just didn't follow through on the actions required, then think about including the goal again, but then creating some sort of accountability mechanism, uh, you know, particularly ha- having a third party holding you accountable for for undertaking the actions to achieve the goal. Or finally, maybe the goal's just not that important to you. You know, you thought it was important, you included it on the list, but really when you reflect on it, it's not that big a deal. Uh, and so we should let ourselves off the hook if that's the case and just forget about the goal and don't worry about it. It will happen from time to time when you'll set goals and then you work out, actually, this goal's not that important to me. So that's the first thing is to work out which of those goals that you didn't achieve last year should come onto this year's list. Step two is to forecast your surplus cash flow. Um, now, many goals, or I find many goals uh, are dependent on surplus cash flow, you know, whether you want to go on holidays and the extent of what that holiday looks like, um, home improvements, uh, and virtually, of course, all financial goals uh, dependent on surplus cash flow. So I find it logical to start with that. Uh, to sort of forecast what will my cash flow look like or what do I expect it to look like uh, over 2022. And it allows me then to prioritise my investment goals. So allocate surplus cash towards achieving them first. And then it informs me about how ambitious my lifestyle goals can be. So if I've got substantial monies left over, for example, well, maybe that holiday can be a little bit longer or a little bit better um, and so forth. So in order to do that, the first thing you need to do is obviously forecast what your income will look like. And uh, if you're a POIG employee, that's relatively easy. Uh, If you're self-employed, you're obviously going to need to do a business cash flow forecast. The second step then is to add up all your outflows. Uh, Now, some are going to be relatively easy to ascertain, like tax, loan repayments, uh, any investment plans that you've got, like making additional super contributions, Uh, and um, non-discretionary expenses like school fees or utility bills and so forth. The one item that a lot of people struggle with is the the discretionary expenditure, you know, discretionary living expenses. So groceries, going out, entertainment, those sorts of things. Um, And if you struggle with it, well, maybe this could be your first financial goal for 2022, which is to... Uh, get on top of cash flow management because expense tracking, uh, even just at a high level, not at a granular level necessarily, is incredibly important. You need to know where your money's going and how much money you're spending and how much money you have left over. And if you don't know that, uh, then that's got to be the number one thing. To my mind, uh, uh, basic cash flow or expenditure tracking is the cornerstone of good money management. And it's imperative no matter what your income is, so don't think that, you know, oh, I'm uh, going to earn a million dollars next year. I don't need to track expenses. No, incorrect. Everyone needs to track expenses. I'm sure maybe if you're a billionaire, you probably don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, every single client of mine 
uh, that that um, some earn uh, very substantial seven-figure incomes uh, still need to have good cash flow management. So expense tracking is really important. It's easy for my wife and I. We track our expenses each month um, uh, between discretionary and non-discretionary and a couple other different categories. Uh, so it's easy to pick that figure up and know uh, what we will spend this year uh, to calculate our um, surplus cash flow. Okay, so once you've done that, once you've got a uh, an idea of what your surplus cash flow looks like this year, uh, then you uh, step three is to sit down and actually draft your goals. Uh, and we draft goals in four different categories. The first one is financial, which is obviously self-explanatory. Um, and these goals are really guided by our long-term uh, financial plan. Uh, because the long-term plan uh, determines what steps we need to take this year so that we're able to achieve our longer-term financial goals, say, in 10 years' time. So it's very long-term focused, um, but we but it informs us what we need to do over the next 12 months. Uh, the second category is relationship goals. Uh, we believe a wonderful marriage takes deliberate effort, uh, so we always uh, sit back and think about how, how, to, how can we improve our relationship. Third is personal goals. Um, important to do something for yourself. Uh, health goals tend to dominate this category for me, or in fact, almost entirely this category for me. Uh, and then fourth, business slash career goals. Uh, and this category isn't always, uh, or doesn't always have to be financial, by the way. Uh, can include, you know, things like working fewer hours or um, doing work that you've got a greater connection with, you know, the type of work and and so forth doesn't have to be financial. So, uh, financial relationship, personal and business slash career goals are the four categories we like to set goals in. Uh, typically, I'll probably set two or three goals in each of those categories. Some categories might have less. Uh, just be careful about overcommitting. Uh, like I said, set a low bar. Um, uh, but as long as you're taking uh, measurable and, and meaningful uh, uh, in making improvements each year, you know, you, you'll find the compounding impact year on year is pretty substantial. Uh, so once I've set the goals and listed them, I use Evernote to keep all my notes, uh, which is another app, uh, and I list my goals in there. But once we've drafted the goals, the fourth step is what I do is project what our net worth will look like at the end of 2022. Um, and so uh, what, what I'm not trying to do, or I'm not that interested in is market movements. So I'm not trying to think, you know, what will my super return or what will the share market return or what will property do? Not really that interested in that. I'll put in some conservative assumptions, but um, that's not the reason to do it. Uh, what I'm trying to do is reflect the impact of my goals uh, on my net worth. Uh, so, and particularly, obviously, this is related to financial goals. So more specifically, it's, you know, what new investments am I making? Contributions into super, investing in the share market, those sorts of things. And then also things like debt reduction, you know, whether it's putting money in offset or actually reducing the loan amount, um, I want to reflect that. So uh, that that um, allows me then to measure the impact of my goals. You know, are they aggressive enough? Am I happy with the change in net worth over the projected change in net worth over the year um, and then secondly it gives me something for next year to, to look back on and say well how are we going you know are we tracking where we thought we might be now of course market movements can change right if the share market drops 30 percent in December 2022 then you know that's going to affect my net worth but I'm not too, uh, but I can adjust for that if you like you know I can uh, uh, work that out Okay, and then the fifth step is to put the goals away and then come back 
to them uh, one or two more times just to review them and talk about them. I find that um, uh, optimizing and revising goals over a couple of weeks' time is kind of good. You, you, you tend to tighten up the wording, make them a little bit more specific. You might add or delete some. Uh, you know, you find, oh, actually, that's not uh, that important to me anymore. Um, so th- throughout the course of January, we do that. And we aim by the end of January to sort of finalize the goals, if you like. Uh, and that's really the, the last step to the goal-setting exercise, uh, except for then sticking them up. So we stick the goals that we print them out, and we stick them up somewhere that we'll see them every day. Just subconsciously, it's good to read your goals uh, regularly because subconsciously you'll start thinking, have I done anything this week uh, to, to hit on that goal or to get closer to that goal? Because it's really all about actions, and hopefully it's all about weekly actions because it's that 1% improvement each week. Uh, that will have a dramatic impact to your life uh, over the course of a year. Uh, and we find uh, sticking them up somewhere in the bedroom or bathroom is a good place because first thing in the morning at the start of each day, uh, you're almost forced to look at it uh, and you'll see it. Now, you might not sit there and read it uh, verbatim each day, but you'll see that and it'll be a, a, a really good sort of daily reminder, if you like. Now, as the Chinese uh, proverb says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Uh, so seeing your goals each day and taking that one step each day towards achieving your goals uh, is really the right approach. Uh, otherwise, the, the goals seem almost overwhelming and, and not achievable. Setting some goals and achieving some is much better than setting none at all and achieving nothing at all. Anyway, I hope that's been uh, useful. Uh, best of luck with your goal setting uh, throughout January. I think it's a really... Uh, exciting and motivating uh, process to go through uh, and I hope this uh, podcast has been some help. Uh, Of course, like always, any links and so forth, uh, check out the blog on the website and show notes. Cheers.